This morning, we just want to welcome all our first-time visitors with us this morning. We want to welcome you and recognize that um, we, we love you. We love you with the love of the Lord. And we want to welcome those who are listening to us first time online. We want to welcome you as well. And we want to thank God for for you and we recognize there are some new visitors online and so we want to welcome you and thank you for being with us this morning we want to thank the lord for your lives and we want to pray for you this morning that each home each person that has started with us this morning for the first time and for those who are here that Lord that you will bless their household Lord God that you will bless their bread and their water Father God you will bless them in their going out and in their coming in Father God we pray Almighty God that you will just touch their lives and transform their lives that they'll never be the same Lord God that you will be glorified and you will be lifted up for those who are hurting and feeling alone Father God we pray Almighty to God that your hand will be upon them this morning that they will know that they're not alone but you are with them Lord we are here for them Lord Lord that they can email us that they can write us they can call us Father God we are here for you and so dear God we thank you Father God that you're a God that never changed you're a God who is faithful faithful to complete what you have begun and so, Lord, we just want to thank you for all the families and friends that are out there and the new ones that have come into the auditorium this morning. We want to welcome our first-time visitors, Lord, and we want to thank you that you would just bless them even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Has our brother come to share the word? sitting on that side so <laughs> let me adjust Ooh. all right good morning for everybody here and those online and those sleeping i know eric is sleeping right now so and it's kind of chilly it's like what it was 42 degrees 
the wind chill drop it down and everybody this is texas in the end of march <laughs> so thank you everybody for joining us all right we're coming to a close and i need um i need a gifted reader okay you can borrow that mic all right um remember we're doing colossians 3 1 to 25 but this morning i want you to read for me first corinthians 13. Okay. yes and um the text is from colossians 3 18 to 25. um i want the corinthians first um Corinthians 4, 13, yes, and then I want the Colossians 18 to 25. Huh? 13, 1 to the end, 1 to the end. Yeah, not, not a lot. 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, is the mic on? Oh, let me check the mic. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned, reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see these things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Okay, and Colossians 3 and verse 18. 18 to 25, yes. 18 to 25, okay. It says, wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. 
Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them at all times, not just when they are watching you. Serve them, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that, and that the master you are serving is Christ. 25 and last. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Amen. Thank you. Let us pray again. Just thanking the Lord for his word. And we pray that our hearts will be at a place to hear his word. And not only hear it, but to act upon it. Father, we thank you again for this awesome opportunity on this Sunday to come before you as a group. A group of believers who are loving you. Lord, thank you for loving us first. Thank you for introducing yourselves, yourself to us in a relationship that is unique to each one of us. That you love us corporately and you love us separately. And though we may have challenges, you tell us that you're always there. Thank you, Lord. In the midst of the world and the everyday hustle and bustle, we can come and quiet our hearts before you to hear from your word and to fill us with your spirit. So Lord, we pray that your joy, your love will be in us as you teach us, correct us, love us, and wrap your arms around us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, amen. So this is um, chapter five of the, the series, Raised with Christ. And uh, I'm going to do a brief wrap-up for those who weren't here. Uh, we were challenged um, in the beginning where we were talking about being raised with Christ and what it represents and all the things that we have to take off and all the things that we have to put on in the light of being believers and in the light of representing Christ with each other. So we realize that Christ is also interested in our relationships, in how we relate to each other. And so it was declared earlier in the scripture, what does love mean? What it looks like? If we can have all these spiritual gifts and we have not love, then we realize we are nothing. So as I continue, being short, I'll be very short. I hope it's, be, it's going to be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and I get to the point, and I'm done. Uh, please pray for me that it be that way. Um, I pray that the Lord don't interrupt all the notes and everything that I had put together. I pray that he will not shift me to another direction. But Lord, you, you are the master if you choose to. We are we be so flexible. <laughs> And Lord, we thank you that you're blessing us. And if you could set the timer to remind me, <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. As we go into the text, uh, we recognize the Lord is talking to us. And 
What I found so profound, the Lord has a duality. You remember we were talking about the, the, the word of God being a double-edged sword. Where it cuts one side and it cuts the other. So I, as I was thinking about that, I remember a situation that happened to Mary where she got pregnant with, with, with the Lord. And um, the angel visited her to comfort her. And she said, wow, how can this be? I have not been with anybody before. This is not good. And we know based on the custom, um, she'll be probably um, stoned to death. Um, Joseph, on the other hand, could not understand how can this be. It must, you know. But then we realized the angel also visited Joseph. And was able to confirm to him that this thing that this thing is of me because Joseph considered in his heart that I will take my time and I will kind of ease Mary to the side I won't have any public disgrace she, nobody will know but the Lord said no this is of me, so you cannot do that. And so the Lord is always talking to both persons. So and I and I and I remember the situation with Pharaoh um, and with Moses. The Lord talked to Moses that he was supposed to go and do this thing. And the Lord talked to Pharaoh and Pharaoh was uh, who is the Lord that I should obey him. Kind of be disobedient be, be there. But we realize that the Lord is speaking and it is for us to receive his word and to act upon it. So as he's continues speaking and um, in the chapter um, in Colossians 3, um, he is giving us more a directive and um, it's more of a command. After he, had, he has we have dealt with our sins and we have taken off all the, the anger, the hatred, everything that doesn't belong to him. And then we put on the newness, the love, the patience, the long-suffering, the bearing with one another. Then he comes and reminds us again in verse 18. And he says, wives... Submit unto your own husband as it is fitting unto the Lord. Um, it's funny, sometimes in the how the word is written and the things that is sometimes left out or the things that is highlighted, I, was, I always sometimes try to question what the Lord is saying. So I said, Submit unto your own husband. It, it, it'll be easier if he said something to your husband but why did he say own husband so as I was thinking about it I said wow it must be that the wives is probably submitting to somebody else's husband or the wife would probably not consider her husband that leader in the household but someone, someone else because sometimes we as I was talking to a friend Sometimes we will listen to somebody who we think has more influence. So case in point, 
somebody is coming to correct you of an issue and you, you somehow don't, don't receive it until somebody who you know very well come and tell you the very same thing and they say, yes, you know, you're right, I, I didn't see it that way. So sometimes we, we relate to one another differently based on the person that the Lord is sending. So he is sending a messenger and a message. But sometimes we are privy to who he's sending. Like there was a joke where this guy was on a boat and he was stranded. And he said, Lord, please send somebody, I need help. And then a fisherman came and said, hey, you need help? He said, no, no, I'm good. And then other persons came and I think now a submarine came. No, 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 I'm good. But then it happened that the boat capsized and he, you know, he died and everything. And he said, Lord, um, why this happened? He said, but I sent help. But in his mind, it wasn't the help that he wanted. He wanted a cruise liner to come and with all the nice foods and, you know, to be on the cruise line and, you know, but it didn't come that way. So sometimes we sometimes have expectations and that is the, the title of this message, expectations. The Lord has so many expectations of us and what it is that we expect from Him. It is always so, so hard to, to understand God. Um, I, I'm so sorry for the person who say, I understand God, I know God. It is so hard. Um, for that person, I pray for them that they will know that the Lord is not one that can be controlled. He's not one that can be taken apart and examined and say, yes, that is it. The Lord is so gracious unto us to reveal the small things that we understand already. Because we realize the thing that the Lord revealed to us is for us and everything else. We say, Lord, just have mercy on us and help us to understand. Um, in, in the case of somebody dying, or in, in the case of, as I remember, uh, remembered last week, of my, my aunt that died, who I believe was one of the most godly persons I ever been with, and she died. And I'm like, Lord, how can we, how can I understand this? It, it, um, I got comfort knowing that she is with the Lord, but I said, it's almost like I thought she had more time. I thought there would be more time to spend with her, but, um, you know, the Lord will not sometimes explain all the dynamics of why he took her so young, but, but as I remember, she, she left for me a godly heritage that showed me how a godly person should act, even when I didn't understand. So, as we go back to the text now, it says, Wives, um, submit yourself unto your own husband, unto the Lord. Then it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. So we realize if the Lord said something, that means it must be going on. This must be something that he has seen 
and he wants to get rid of. He wants to say, hey, this is not how a husband should treat their wives. There's supposed to be a tenderness, a love, because as we, as we read in the Corinthians 13 scripture, which is the one that I'm using to, to tie into this message, there, there is also a rejoice. And as, as we remember the, the first time um, Adam saw Eve, there was a rejoice. Whoa, this is, you know, being the first woman, he was like, wow, God, how um, you have created all of these things. And it was funny, even in the creation story, he was looking around and seeing all the animals, you know, male, a male giraffe, a female giraffe. You know, I was looking around and I was like, huh, it's odd that I'm here alone. And the Lord sometimes see within our hearts, even when we're not even thinking about it, but we sometimes reflect. And I said, wow, the Lord is doing this for me. He's creating somebody just for me. And he celebrated her, her entering and meeting and the Lord sitting in the, and he was so gracious and you know, very celebratory, you know, just as we, we can think about a wedding situation where it's all nice celebrations. But it was funny when the, when the, the whole occurrence happened and the sin, he kind of reflected and said, no, it is not me, it's the woman that he gave me. As if he was short shifting the blame onto the woman, the same woman that he was celebrating and said, wow, he's shifting the blame on the Lord. I don't think the Lord was pleased with that. It was also profound that he gave Adam some instructions. Do not touch this, do not touch that. And physically, Eve wasn't present. Physically. But somehow, Adam had the opportunity to tell her, don't touch this, don't touch that, don't, don't, you know, make sure we can eat anything else, anything else, anything else, we can have all abundance, but this one, mm -mm, don't touch. But he was also there in the whole temptation and the whole process, but yet still he, he was blaming his wife and saying, it's because of you and all of that. So the Lord wants to remind us, no, Never to take blame, take ownership. It would be so awesome if Adam said, Lord, it is me. I did this because you gave me the mandate, you gave me the directions, and I failed. I think the story would be a lot different. Because the Lord, when the Lord appeared to us, He He knows. It is so funny, the Lord knows everything. But somehow, he wants us to be in a place to say, um, you know, Lord, I think I did wrong. You know, I think I really messed up, and I'm so sorry. It's almost like everything about a parent-child relationship. We, we know the stuff that they're doing, and we just want them to hear, I'm sorry. With a sincere heart, not the, I'm sorry, you know, I'm really sorry. And it, it is also profound that the Lord said both Relationship as one, where this is the two become one, one flesh. There is no tearing apart. That's why he also says that he hates divorce for any reason. I think unto death, 
uh, any abuse, he said, okay, you're free, but our infidelity, you're free, but anything else, he hates the idea of persons splitting up and cutting against the thing. And it's so profound that the Lord sees one person as, as a whole and as a unit separately. So there was a situation with um, a couple when they were supposed to bring an offering to the Lord. So before they brought the offering, they said, this is what we're going to bring. So they both agreed. And you know, when, when it comes to agreement, it says that, how can two walk unless they agree? So they, they took the money and they brought it to the, to the man of God. And then there was a question that was asked, is this what you're supposed to give? And he said yes. And it so happened that the judgment came very quickly and was um, died right right in front of them. And then the other person came and said, "Is this?" And I think that the Lord is still giving giving that person a chance to say, "Oh no 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 no, that um, we were wrong. That that's not the right amount. Please forgive us." He said, "No no no, that's it." And he said, how can you lie to the Holy Spirit, the Lord who sees everything? And then death came upon. So, the, so there's always um, a path where there's a space for, for judgment and a space for us to respond. So that we're, we're challenged even now in, in our lives to, to make sure that our relationships are pleasing before him. Then it says in verse 20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well and pleasing unto the Lord. Okay, question. If the parent isn't a good parent, should we not obey? Should we still disobey? If the parent, our parents, we say parents, you know, we say parents with an S, so we assume both parents, and you being a child, and excuse me, and they, they are not treating us kindly. Should we still obey? Okay, okay, that's good. Why do you think we should obey? Why is it because they are our parents, and they say, okay, so. Should we obey even if the parent is telling us to do something that is ungodly? So I have a scenario for you. Growing up, my, my, parent, my mother said, I must never lie in any circumstance. No matter what, I must not lie. So there was a salesman that was coming to the house going, and he was knocking at the gate. And my mother said, Oh, I'm answer the gate. And, but tell him I'm not here. I said, okay. Alright. Remember, don't lie. So I said, um, how are you doing, sir? My mom said to tell you that she's not here. <laughs> and um, I think I was physically reprimanded. <laughs> For, for telling the truth in that situation but I was so confused because my mom said do not lie no matter what 
anything, if you burn the house down, do not say something and say, oh mom, I burned the house down, you know. So I felt this, this pressure of not doing it. But anyway, she explained afterwards that, you know, she was a chino. But I said, mom, but if you didn't want to meet a person, why tell him to come, <laughs> you know? But anyway, um, we, we continued. And then verse 21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Alright, the, the father representation in our family is so strong. And it's so good that God is our Heavenly Father, as we, all, we are always remembered. Um, and God said no matter who the parent, the father or the mother is, we still must love them. We still must respect them. We must be the one that should bridge the gap. And we must try as much as possible to mend the relationship. Yes, they are our parents. And um, yes, they too are going through their struggles and their... Um, things that they have to experience um, especially being overwhelmed that you're starting a family so early so sometimes the the nurturing part of the the, the parent especially the father is not there as I told you last week I went to a conference and it was a was a marriage conference and we all the men were in one room and the presenter said to us can you give me a word to describe your father? And it was, it was a very heartbreaking um, time. Almost everybody that stood up did not have a positive word to describe their father. And when it came to the end, one person stood up and said, No, my father is my best friend and I'm so gracious and so thankful to have him and everybody looked at that guy and said wow we had to applaud him because everything else looks so dark and, and dreary but he said no my father is my hero and he said he was even the one that led me to Christ because I wanted to be like him so much that anything that he did, I would run to it. I, he said he had full trust in his earthly father, being a father to him. Now, I know not all of us have that experience of having a good physical earthly father. But yet still, the Lord is renewing our hearts to him because somehow... They said that anyway you will relate to your earthly father, that's how you might relate to your heavenly father. So in my case, when it came up to getting gifts and asking for stuff, no, no, no. I, I, got, I got the no's in different variations. So if the Lord said to me, Kirk, what do you want? I said, oh Lord, I'm good. <laughs> because I don't want to set myself up for, for disappointment, for failure, for hurt. So 
I tell you, if the Lord said, Kirk, I can give you this, I can give you that. I said, oh, no, sir, I'm good. <laughs> because of how I remember growing up, no, 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 no. I said, Dad, you, you cannot give us a yes? Oh, yes, I can give you. No, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so he was a, a dad that was feeling no. And I said, wow. So this was my struggle coming into the, into the kingdom and trying to understand the love of God and the things that the Lord has for me and how, how I must relate to him. Because there is a lot of discouragement going around. And especially when we think about our life and the plans that we have and things that are going our way. We, we can be discouraged. But the Lord want, always wants to encourage us and said, I am there, I am here, come to me. And he says, even if your father and mother don't love you or are not caring for you, I will be there. So I said, oh Lord, thank you that I have your representation, that he's always there. Now, uh, we are going to verse 22, Colossians 3, 22. And this is, wow, this is a hard one. Because it's talking about service. So it says, servants, obey in all things your master according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in a singleness of heart, fearing God. So, for any of us that, that is in the service industry, it's one of the industries where you are giving your all in your service. And it is sometimes seen as a gift where some persons can serve without asking for much. But then, the Lord is saying that the masters will, will have to give an account. But what he's saying to us also is not to worry about what they're doing on their end. The Lord will take care of them. But he wants us to serve as if we're serving him. So no matter what industry or what career or job responsibility that we have, we too can be in a place that we are overseeing others. We can be like in a managerial position or, or being the CEO of the company. But there, there, will, there will be a point that we have to serve. And the way that we serve, that we, we show up on time, we do our best because we know that the Lord is watching and we, we are not accountable to the persons that we are serving, we are more accountable to God because God sees everything and nothing goes unseen, nothing is hidden. Because he said we are doing it as if we are fearing the Lord, knowing that, Lord, we are doing this for you and that is, a, that is also an encouragement because guess what? The Lord can easily move that person and put yourself or put anybody in that place. So think about the Lord if we are not faithful in the small position, in the small things. Would it be fair for him to promote somebody if that person is coming late, not doing their job as how they should, not respecting others? Um, it, it will be like a, a slap in the face. 
So as I even remembered um, my favorite um, Bible character, Samuel, they said Samuel served the Lord very well. That it, was say, it was said that every word that he spoke came to pass. But Samuel had sons. And in the progression of time, normally the sons will take over from the father. But the people, the people at the time said, no, sir. You have served very well. We see you're, you're coming out of office. But your sons do not follow your way. And we cannot use them because they don't esteem the things of God. They put things aside. They're, they're, the irreverence for God was too much that even the, 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 the mere person said, no, we cannot use them. And then we saw the same things with Eli. Eli had two sons. And they did the very same thing. So I'm saying, oh my God, this is so hard. Because we are looking at Eli who wasn't a good servant. And we can understand that, you know when they say like the fruit is a representation of the tree. So whatever, the, if the tree is in good condition, we expect the fruit to be in good condition. And also if the tree is not in good condition, we expect the fruit. But I was confused when I saw Samuel being one of the best. He, he had the duality. He was priest and prophet at the same time during that transition. But yet his sons did not follow his ways. And when I was searching the scripture, I kind of came to a, a slight revelation of what caused that. It was always also mentioned that Samuel did a lot of traveling. He went to that town, went to that town. He was going back and forth. And we know traveling in those days was not so convenient. Um, it took months to, to, to go a couple of miles. You know, you have to walk, you know, but... So I, I saw that Samuel physically was not there with his kids to train them, to show them how, what to do. But even if the, the, the because it says, if you train the child in the way it should go, when they grow old, they will not depart. But there is still a responsibility of the child to, to follow suit. So as we go to verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Because, you know, we can do stuff to be seen and, you know, with social media and everything that's going on, we can put this good representation of ourselves before people. Verse 24. Knowing that the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ verse 25 but he that does wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done because the Lord is no respecter of person so we see that the Lord also has expectations of us we can't expect to do wrong and to, to receive the good. And even when I remember when the, 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 the two sons came to present 
gifts unto the Lord as the time came around. And one of the sons brought items that was not required. But the Lord did not receive it. And he got upset. So I said, wow, uh, why did not the Lord receive it? Because he was told, this is what we bring. But he said, uh, this is just a, you know, the Lord will receive it. Just, it's not the best, but hey. And the Lord always wants us to do our best. He, he always wants us to, to make sure. Because the Lord always gives us, give us his best. And as I continue, Colossians 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, Masters, give unto your servant that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same way with thanksgiving. So we see there is always a duality in the expectations so the the wife expects a certain treatment so also the husband the parents even if they don't tell us they expect us to do our best and to to be good kids and also the the kids expect the parents to be good parents and also the work situation where we are working for somebody, we expect good treatment. Because as we remember when we talk about the benefits, and even if you had two jobs, we will, that is paying the same salary, we will scroll down and look at the benefits. I was like, wow, this one have um, a gym membership that they're paying for. They have free lunches. Wow, they have um, six weeks vacation. And as I remember a joke, I was listening to a podcast the other week. And this employer said, you know what? I'm going to do things better. I know everybody paying the same amount of salary, but I will pay the salary. But I'm going to give all my new employees six weeks vacation. She said within a week after posting the job, she had like over a thousand employees. <laughs> Want to want to come into that place, and she said, "Wow, that is amazing." She said, "Just by offering more than the norm, everybody naturally gravitates to that." So, so she said, "Okay," and naturally, that's what we do. We we look for things that gives the better benefit. Even if we're driving a car, and we're looking for. One particular car, if it's within a certain price range, we want it to be the best car that we can afford. And whichever dealer we go to, the other dealer will say, hey, we give you a lifetime oil changes. We say, what? Anything wrong with it, we take care of it. You're fully covered. We're going to say, um, please put me in. You know? <laughs> so when, when, when it comes to benefits, our choices are not limited. We will run to that immediately. We won't even um, let me go and pray and see what I'm No, we will say, yes, please, put me down. Because it is a benefit and we see it as an advantage. So it is that when we come in the kingdom, we also 
will experience God's benefit. Because guess what? What makes a difference between a non-believer and a believer? It is because we know we have hope, we have love, we have grace, we also have a precious Holy Spirit that we can call upon if no one is there that will answer us, that will be there for us, that will comfort us in our time of need. But the Lord also wants us to be there for each other. He wants us to, to be in a place to encourage our brother and sister if, when they're going through a difficult time. And when, when, when he lists all the things that we are supposed to bear with one another according to knowledge, according to grace, he said we, we must come with kindness, mercy, meekness, long-suffering. And even if we have a disagreement, this is Colossians 3.13, we must forbear with one another, forgiving one another. If any of you have a quarrel, we must forgive even as Christ has forgiven you. And then verse 14 says, and above all these things, put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of perfect perfection. So we know charity is love. And it says love never fails. It always suffers long. Love is the equalizer that we have as a benefit. And even when we think about love, we think about um, Jesus being that love for us. Because it says, verse Corinthians 13, 4 says, Love is patient. And we know that God is love. So we can even say, God is patient. Love is kind. And we can say, God is kind. It does not show envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And love never fails. But this is the one that's always um, interesting to me. Verse, verse 5, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Alright, this one is a, it's a very sticky one. Because if we have a disagreement or we have a what do we call it, like a falling out with, with another person, we will normally present all the wrong things that they're doing. We will say, they did this to me, they did this to me, they, you know, they, it's, just, it's just natural that we, we want to be angry, but we, we want to count the wrong things. And as I was talking to another person, and, you know, they were telling me all the wrongs, I said, all right, let's try put in some good because guess what we are not perfect and that person is not perfect so one way or the other that person still has some goodness in them and they're like wow you make it so hard because if I count all the good, good things I cannot be angry with them and that is how the Lord even with us with all the wrongs that we have done he said he keeps no record Verse 6 says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. 
The Lord always protects us. He always trusts. He always hopes. Always perseveres. And this is the, the, the nicest one of it all. It wraps it up. It says, Love never fails. But where there is prophecies, they will pass. Where there are tongues, they will still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Love overalls. Love gives. Love is what we need. So, as I close, for those who listening or those who are here who have not experienced that love relationship, our prayer is that your hearts will be tender towards the Lord to respond to His calling. And if you don't know how to, it's simple. He says, Lord, I indeed have sinned. I indeed have been walking away from you. Come into my heart, Lord, and save me. Come into my heart and deliver me. Come into my heart and make this relationship new again. And for those who are struggling, who already have the relationship, but they're feeling discouraged. You know, because sometimes even in the the day-to-day -day of life, we can be discouraged. We can be discouraged to the point of not wanting to go on or thinking, what is the sense? I'm doing all of this thing for the Lord, but yet still I don't see anything change. I don't see my life changing. I don't see anything good. But we want to encourage you to hang on. We are praying for you. We want to know that the Lord is so near. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is such a good father. Because we realize in this world, there are persons who are alone. There are persons who are, don't have a friend, don't have anybody to even talk to. Don't have anybody to relate to. And we want to make ourselves available for those persons who are, who are sensing that right now. To know that we are always there for you. And we will always be praying for you. So thank you again and thank the Lord for his word and we pray that your word, O oh Lord, will be a light unto our, our path, that you fill our hearts with your grace as we continue to live with expectation of your goodness. Thank you, Lord, and may the love of God, the fellowship of his Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen and amen. And everybody have a wonderful week. And be blessed. And we pray that the Lord God will always be for you. That he will never leave you. Nor forsake you. That he will wrap his loving arms around you. Be good. And take care. Have a wonderful week, everybody, and thank you.